Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Your Success DNA from YourSuccessAtLast.com. That motivational oomph that you need every single day. Those core inspirational building blocks that are going to help you get what you need to get done, done. Man, it's another beautiful Monday and... What? It's May already. Wow. I mean, think about it. The year is nearly half over. OMG, as the kids seem to say. Where has the time gone? How are you doing in your goals for the year? Hmm? Yeah? Is time sneaking past you? Is it just like, whoosh, rushing right past you and you've really gotten little done? Or are you kicking booty and taking names? Well, if you want to learn how to, uh, say, start reaching your peak, the peak of your potential, and start getting the results in your life that you, that you want, you dream, you desire, and you deserve, well, you know, I'm, you know what? Let's let's belay that for a minute. I'll tell you about more about that at the end of the show. Let's start off with today's question: How do you feel? Yeah? No, seriously. How do you feel? You feeling good? Well, I was until you told me they reminded me that the year is half over and I haven't gotten anything done on my goals, Tracy. Thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome. How do you want to feel? Yeah. And I think those two questions really put together kind of set the tone because you always got to know where you're at and where you want to go. And how you feel and how you want to feel is another way of getting to those answers. So that's why I ask you every Monday morning is how do you feel? And how do you want to feel? Think about that today over the course of the day. Think about that now. Think about that as you lay your head down on the pillow tonight. It'll help your head start um, crafting your success atlas, your path to getting from how do you feel and how do you want to feel. Perhaps you feel down. Perhaps you feel up. And you want to stay feeling up. Your mind can help craft that path as well. Uh, perhaps you don't have the answers. Perhaps you need to find the answers. Do you feel like you always have to have the answers? That's kind of where we're going today because we're going to talk about being a know-it-all or not wanting to be a know-it-all and the benefits of being a learner. See, over the course of my 50-plus years on this planet, I have seen time and time again those people that come into, into meetings or even just a gathering of friends, you know, whether you're going out to hang out or you're actually in a meeting trying to uh, get something accomplished. But there, there's that, that, you know the person I'm talking about, right? The person or persons that walk into that room having to know the answers, or believe that they know the answer. See, they have the solution to everything that ails you, that ails me, and the world around them. Yeah. See, we listen to them spout this issue and, and that issue and statistic after statistic, which, you know, well, don't get me wrong, that's good because you need to know the topic that you're, you're quote-unquote preaching about. But if they would just pause and listen to the others around them, be it in that group or in that meeting they quite probably would be delightfully surprised at what they might actually learn. You see, to me, every idea has merit. It could be a little bit of merit. It could be huge, bountiful merit. Yeah, even those ideas handed down from Mr. or Miss Know-It-All, those ideas have merit too. They need to be heard, they need to be processed, and they at least need to be considered. See, 
I don't want, and I don't think you, uh, yet yeah, you, I'm talking to you, not, not the person in the car next to you or the desk next to you or even running alongside you. I don't think, um, I don't think you're the know-it-all type. See, it, it, it's wise to know a lot, but it's, it's wiser to be a learner. You see, learners, well, they, well, they learn, right? I mean, it's why they're called learners. And, and to be a learner, you have to, you have to listen. And a good listener doesn't always assume that they know all the answers or have even the right answer. A good learner will not always assume that they already have the right answer or the perfect answer or that they even know the answer. Even if a good learner does already have a great idea or the right answer to the question at hand or whatever the topic is, they still are going to take the time to listen to the ideas of those around them. For if you think about it, there could be something there that will prove that their answer is valid, that it is the perfect answer, that it is the right answer for the for this issue at this time. And perhaps maybe one of those ideas that they hear uh, when added to their idea, improves upon it and makes it even more perfect, makes it just right. Or it could even prove to give them an even better idea. Ooh, now that's awesome. And, and that's the power of brainstorming. And to, see, that's where you got to have an open mind. Being a learner will open your mind to new ideas, new experiences, new people and cultures and ways of seeing things. See, by being a learner, you enable yourself to find new concepts, new solutions, collaborations, and innovations. And mind you, it doesn't matter whether you're a mother, a manager, or you're trying to be master of the universe. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Sorry. If you want to succeed at any venture in life, you're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to come up with new ideas, right? Maybe maybe the new ideas is, is how to balance the budget in your household or how to manage the time with the kids, with the time with your spouse, right? Or it's how to manage the budget of a multi-million dollar company, whatever it is. You're going to have to figure out how to innovate. You're going to have to attract people to that innovation and you have to expire their inner talent, right? You have to bring out what's inside of them. Ah, learners do that the best. See, um, if I think about back when I was the manager of inventory and warehouse management at uh, Coca-Cola North America for their marketing materials, we were faced with a bit of a challenge. Um, it's not one of those, ooh, stop the presses, but it was one that kind of cramped our ability to service customers. And I'm not talking about you and me kind of customers. I'm talking about the big yellow M type of customers, uh, the king of the burger customers, right? It wasn't, what was the challenge? Well, it was being able to get our orders that they would phone in to us or send in via email from our from our headquarters downtown in Atlanta, Georgia, to our fulfillment house in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the same day, via our system. Not manual. We could do it manual. That's easy. I could pick up a phone and call someone and say, I need to have this shipped, and I need this shipped, and here's where it needs to go. See, we need to get it done via the system in the same day. I know it sounds silly with technology being what it is today, but 
you know, 10 years ago, the systems being as they were then, we could only transmit our orders at the end of the day as part of the day-end process. So I went around and I spent the better part of the week engaging the various departments, uh, you know, that were involved in the process, you know, customer service, data integrity, operations, IT, even the warehouse itself in Knoxville, as well as the customers that were going to be impacted, you know, the McDonald's and the, and the Burger Kings. And before I even started this, this I'll call this this discovery process, uh, you know, I had an idea of how we could solve the problem. And I jotted a couple of notes, but I, I started going on this venture and about, about a week I did this. Um, and coming out of that, I had an even better idea. So, of course, I, I drafted out my solution. And I thought, all right, tomorrow I'm going to print this solution, present this solution, and I'm going to be, ah, I'm going to be awesomeness for having solved it. And my solution was really quick. No, we could get it turned around really fast and really inexpensively. But here's the thing. On my drive home, I thought, wait, wait a minute. Let's hear what the other people on, on the teams have to say. So I, I set up a brainstorming meeting, right, uh, with all these people. Um, a few of them I had already talked to. Some of them I hadn't yet. And what was the goal? Well, I, when they all came together the next morning, it was about, oh, about 7, 30, 8 o'clock, the goal was how to get our same-day orders from Atlanta, Georgia, to our fulfillment house in Knoxville, Tennessee, and on our way to the customer in the same day using the systems we have, right? Now, I didn't tell them my idea, or I didn't even tell them that I had one. I just outlined the challenge, laid out the ground rules for the brainstorming session, which were really simple. No idea is a bad idea. And then we went to it. We spent the first hour or so just writing down ideas, going around the room, right? Talking out, blurting out ideas. No idea was shot down. We've spent that time just blurting out one idea after another, after another. Some were solid ideas. Some were a little harder to fathom. And others were far more whimsical in nature. But we wrote them all down. What was really cool is one idea would spawn, oh, well, if we could do that, then we could do this. And if we added to that, then we could do this. You know, one idea spawned the juices of someone else who had maybe a piece of it. So, you know, maybe Kimberly had piece A and John had piece B and and uh, the other John had piece C. When one person heard piece A, they added that to piece B and they're like, now they had a new idea. And then piece C was added and we had a whole new idea. So we're writing all these ideas down, right? So after all the ideas were recorded, we went back and just literally rated them in in two parts. Part one is how long would it take? Short term was under a month. Midterm was two to six months. Long term was, was going to take longer than six months to get this idea implemented. Part two, cost, right? Yeah, it was business. We got to talk about costs, right? And these were just ballpark costs, right? How much we thought it was going to cost to implement this idea, right? Doing this, we were able to quickly vet, vet out ideas that A, we couldn't get done now and we couldn't get done cost effectively. By lunchtime, we had two solid ideas. One was a short term fix. It was going to take us about a week and was going to cost us about two grand in man hours and, and, and hardware. And this was a one time cost. And then the second idea was a midterm idea. It was going to take about two months and about $5,000. In the end, we did them both. We used the short-term idea to solve the immediate needs, and it became the process that held us over. Uh, and it was actually a stepping process into the midterm solution that um, that cost us you know, the five thousand and took about two months to do. So, 
Which one was my idea, you might ask? Well, it was the short-term idea. It was an enhanced version of the short-term idea, which worked fine, but by taking that learner's approach and hearing the ideas of everyone else, I was able to learn more about the systems and how we could, how the team could utilize everything about it. And we actually added enhancements we hadn't thought of in the first place. And we created a longer term fix that met all our needs and gave us a few extra bells and whistles across the board. And we had a, a short term fix that solved the solution right away. I think we pretty much rocked it. Um, I think the last piece I would leave you with, I mean, so, so far you've heard, you know, you have to listen and you have to open your mind. And I think the last piece I would, li uh, I would give you is mentor. Yeah. Uh, you see, helping someone else um, and by staying a learner, by staying a learner, you can help someone else. And the best way to do that is to teach. Learn, do, teach. You heard me say that a few times over the past few podcasts. Actually, across a number of them, across the 436 podcasts I've done. I found that when you're first learning to do something, when I first learned to do something, I'm learning it to improve or enhance something. Either I'm trying to improve or enhance my life, improve or enhance a process, whatever it is. Then I do it. And in doing it, I learn how to improve upon the improvement. Right? You get it? So I'm learning to do it. Then I'm doing it. But when I teach it, I learn how to improve or enhance a part of someone else. Whether it be uh, their situation, their business, their financial uh, wherewithal. Whatever it is. You see, that, my friend, requires digging a little deeper, paying a little bit more attention, have a little bit more of an open mind, not just to the thing that you're trying to improve, but to the downstream effect and impact that it'll have on that person or the business that you're teaching it to. And you know what? When you dig a little deeper to teach, you'll be clearing out more space to learn a little bit more for yourself. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a win-win for everyone involved. That's how you'll reach your success at last. All right. So I mentioned a little earlier about reaching your peak potential. So go to yoursuccessatlast.com and get that seven-day e-coach you see sitting up there. Make sure you reach your peak potential. Like I said, it's almost halfway through the year already. The seven-day e-coach is going to be your quick guide to reaching the peak of your potential. All you need really is seven days to start getting the results in your life that you want, you dream, you desire, and I think you deserve. So go to yoursuccessatlast.com, click on that banner, drop in your email, and start what may be the most important week of your life. Tomorrow we're going to talk about, are you influential? All right, with that I'm going to leave you like I always do. Think successfully and take action. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.